Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. This is Pastor Freddie T. Wyatt. I'm so thankful for you tuning in today. Jonathan and I have a great conversation. We talk about the brain dump. We talk about my man trip with Elliot, and we take a deep dive into the sermon from Sunday. And you guys, I get going a little bit. I get going a little bit at the end of the podcast. And uh, you know, God's truth is so sweet. It's so deep. And uh, I pray you are encouraged as you listen in today. This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. And welcome back to the podcast. We're all alone this morning, Freddie. Jonathan, oh, and Daniel Cox, of course, always. Jonathan, how do you like my intros? I think it. I think they're my voices uh, invigorating and joyful. Yeah, I. Uh, I think I'd be like a a cartoon voiceover <laughs> if if I wasn't a pastor. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. I don't know about that. But yeah, maybe. You maybe and, Tom and Jerry. You and Daniel are both on the struggle bus this morning. Yeah, DJ Daniel Cox. Da- Daniel said he's actually fully functional this morning. It's he'll just feel it this evening. Yeah, he stayed he, up. Uh, stayed up late last night. He was up till two, and I would bet a hundred dollars he was editing video at two o'clock. <laughs> no, he said no, no. no. He must have been writing a book. <laughs> He's shaking his head over there. Writing no. a book, how you take lots of rest. Um, all right. Good morning, JV. Good morning. I know you've had a tough couple of days. Oh, it's all good. It's the all Lord's good. mercies are new this yes, morning. It makes us makes us better people. No. Lean on Him more. Yeah, that's what it makes us do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I have a new uh, email security system that <laughs> apparently quarantines uh, some of your emails. So you had to forward me the brain dump this morning. So I'm almost now two days behind the brain dump. Shake but, it off. Um, Shake it off. For those that don't get the brain dump, you need to get the brain dump. So email info at reallifesango.com. Yeah, if you want to get the brain dump. You you can really, you can text mission to 97,000. Thank you. Fill out a prayer request. Fill out a connect card. And that'll put you in our system, Great. and you'll start getting the emails. And then, if at any point you want to opt out, you know, to anything, you just opt out. Opt but out, it's yeah. all pretty simple and automated in that way. So, but I send out a brain. I send out an email every Sunday night. It's called the Sunday Night Brain Dump. It's just kind of stream of consciousness, bullet point style. You know, silly, unimportant things that are on my mind, and then like really deeply meaningful things that are on my mind, and a little bit of a recap of Sunday morning and. Just what's on my head? No, I think it's great. I mean, I, I actually look forward to it. Uh, last week, I looked forward to the brain dump, and I never found the brain dump last yeah, week. That's yeah. the first one you hadn't done in a while. I know. Like I know. You know, I was so exhausted the Sunday night before last, and I didn't even preach. You're the one that preached. Yeah. And I was, I'd just gotten back from the trip with Elliot. Yeah, That's yeah. why I was exhausted, you know. And so I thought, you know what? I, I'm going to slug one out <laughs> in a brain dump. And then I thought, you know what? No, I'm not. Uh, I just didn't. Looked, I looked for Sunday. I looked Monday anyway. <laughs> uh, it's good to be back on the podcast this week. We do not have anybody with us but Daniel Cox, uh, but we've got plenty to talk about and catch up on. But let's first hit the brain dump. And there was something going on on Sango Road about 4 o'clock on Sunday afternoon. Color Wars. Color Wars. So if you don't know what Color Wars are, Freddie, yes. enlighten us. Well, it, 
it's uh we I didn't play Color Wars when I was growing up, but it's a pretty high energy, lots of fun, messy event where uh, all the students break up into four teams. They all have a color, and you know throughout the evening they do various games. And as they do these various games, if they win a game, they get to pick like a um, a weapon that they're going to use in the finale. You know, like a color war. So one of the weapons I popped over there just for a few minutes, and I kept my distance. Um, <laughs> but one of the one of the uh, one of the, the the weapons that they had was like a a, a launcher. What do you call like it? Like a big slingshot. A slingshot launcher. Yeah, like yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the student leaders, probably Tyrell, made it out of PVC pipe and, like, some sort of cable. And um, it was pretty fun to watch that whole deal. I, you know, I think the biggest uh, – <laughs> they, used, they used acrylic paint. So we, I read this. So, what is, so acrylic paint is, like, like, paint that you put on your wall? I guess. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. And somebody said uh, – I think Amanda Bowles, one of our student leaders, said – was talking to Susan and said, well, you know why they used acrylic paint? It's because all guys were planning the event. Because <laughs> <laughs> they weren't going to wash it all right, week right. and but, weeks um, and weeks. So, so sure enough, like everybody was supposed to wear white. And the three white shirts of my three teenagers, after they came out of the wash, the paint was it, it, forever in the shirt. So all the powder washed out. They used powder. Yeah. Colored powder. Um, so definitely check out the Brain Dump Color Wars. You got, you, you, Jonathan, we had... 115? Yes. 115 students. Yes, it's so fantastic. Uh, that, that chose to spend time on a sunny afternoon and just get nasty painted. Yeah. I, I have to say, I might have wanted to do it, but but for the paint, you know, I'm a little OCD about yeah, it. Yeah, right. Dirt. Yeah. <laughs> Much less paint. Well, there was one student who actually sat on the sidelines and wanted to watch, but she had done Color Wars before and did not want to participate. <laughs> but she wanted to watch. So any shower was, caps? Did anybody wear shower caps? I didn't see any shower caps. I would have worn no. a shower cap and no, a hazmat no, no, suit. No, no. Daniel Cox was out there, though, with the video camera. So I, I do believe he's going to give us some of his magic. That's what he was doing last night until two. He was well, he, editing. He said no. Oh, he, said no. he said no. Oh, he was whispering sweet nothings into Cecile's ear. At oh, well, okay. Moving on. <laughs> Mason and Cameron Heggie cleaned up a little bit of the land for that color wars. And I think what we are, what the church is starting is maybe get something more formalized. Yes. Instead of having to tap Mason or whoever every single time. That's exactly up. right. And so if you read the brain dump, David Atkins is going to start coordinating maybe some team that keeps yes. keeps the land maintained. Yes, I'm super excited about this. Um, you know, everything will change over the next two years as we begin to build a building. But uh, until the building is built, we want to keep the land looking nice, clean, well-maintained. Um, the, the offices that are in the house, you know, there's lots of things in the house, little things that need to be fixed and tweaked and those kinds of things. So David is coordinating, and Danny Walls is leading, running lead on the house, and Mason is running lead on the land So in terms of the projects. So David will be coordinating. Anyways, all that to say, um, if you want to serve the Lord and haven't really known exactly where you'd like to serve, or you just love being outside, you love serving behind the scenes, or you just, you've got some spare time, you'd love to pick up some sticks, rake some leaves, fix a faucet, you know, different things like that, um, then email David. What's his email address? Oh, no. So I, I, <laughs> Can you I, I, read I think it? I probably met David. I oh, think, David's awesome. Yeah, but I have to say this is one of the best emails. I've seen a lot of emails. So his email is on the brain dump, but yes. it is IB Poppy B. 
at gmail.com. That's hilarious. Ibpoppyb at gmail.com. <laughs> Ibpoppyb at gmail.com. So shoot David an email if you want to serve on this land maintenance team. Um, the church will be blessed. Uh, everybody that drives by the land will be blessed as they see, you know, a land that's well taken care of. So we need, you know, we need 15, 20 people so that you don't have the same couple of people that are doing, you know, every project every time. But yet Mason and Cameron, they picked up a ton of sticks. So uh, this past Sunday. Check out the picks on the sticks on the brain. <laughs> that, that, was, that was good. Thank that was you. Good. That was that was organic. Uh, I just want to tap on this a little bit. You put this in the brain dump, but... If you are new to real life and you're actually just found yourself on this podcast, it takes plenty of plenty of God's people to make real life church work. I mean, from load in, load out to the kids, the students, the student ministry, the kid ministry, the baby ministry, music, you name it, yeah, and including yeah, now yeah. this new team. So yeah. if you're like, ah, there's no room for me, there just there's plenty of things to do at real life, and yeah. that's what makes the church the church. Well, and can I even say this pastorally? It's actually really dangerous for your soul not to serve. Yeah. Um because we get so self-focused, we get so so self-absorbed. And so serving moves you out of your natural way into a supernatural way. Serving serving kind of catalyzes where your focus is and it turns it away from you to other people. And Jesus actually said that's where life is found. Life is not found in trying to save our life, trying to protect our time and trying to protect all the, you know, like life is actually found in giving it away. It's a paradox. It's truly a paradox because they're sacrificing giving it away, right? You know, I think about our load-in team. They're, they show up at 5 a.m. So there's sacrifice. You know, they may be morning people. They may be up at 3.30 drinking their coffee. I don't know. But I'm just saying, um, it's dangerous to not serve because then you begin to believe the lie that it's all about you, and it's not about any of us. When you started it, I don't want to go off on this rabbit trail, but I do want to say this. It just When you were saying that this morning, your first sermon series that I really ever heard you was at Doxa when you hired on at First Baptist in 2000 and something. I don't even know. Six, seven, five, four. Context. Something like that. So Doxa. Doxa I'll explain it. So Doxa was kind of more of a... Back in the day, contemporary, quote-unquote, air quotes, contemporary service, <laughs> um, you were hired on. Um, you did other duties other than just preach that, but you led a worship service every uh, Sunday morning um, in the old Greek temple at First Baptist, if you know where that is, <laughs> and you called it doxa. Um, and, but the very first sermon series, I don't think... If doxa means glory, glory to God. in Greek. That's correct. You're our word study guy. I know. So I, didn't want, I, was just, I was just, I was just going to touch on this. Uh-huh, I wasn't really uh-huh. wanting to delve deep. Anyways. But your first... You remember what your first sermon series was? Consumerism. Don't be a consumer at church. Don't be. You did the Burger King. I want it my way. Uh, and the first, uh, You didn't come to the first series. Or maybe you did. The first series uh, I did... Well, that's Colossians. All right, the first series that I remember that you preached uh-huh. <laughs> was Consumers. So I just wanted to underscore what Freddie said. Yes. There is plenty of work to do um, on Sunday morning and then not on Sunday morning. Sometimes it's frequent like every week. Sometimes it's going to be like this land team, yeah. uh, maintenance team. It's it's going to be something that they just need to call you out and say, hey, can you come over and this weekend do this? Yeah, so, and be encouraged. Be encouraged. If you're serving on a team right now, 
where you're like, okay, I hear you. I'm, I'm just the paradox. I'm giving my life away, but, but it's not rewarding. Well, let's find another team for you. Yeah, let's find another team because serving should be both sacrificial and rewarding. And, um, you know, people, you know, a lot of times people say, well, I don't want to burn out. I don't want to burn out. Well, we don't want you to burn out. And the way people burn out is not by serving too much. That's not why, that's not how people burn out. People burn out by not walking closely with Jesus. So if you walk closely with Jesus, he's the one that supplies the fuel for service. If you serve just a little bit and don't walk closely with Jesus, you'll burn out. So the closer you walk with Jesus, the more intimate you are with him, the more capacity you'll have to serve with joy. So that's that's the secret sauce. That's what makes service uh, work. Um, so... Uh, but we celebrate when people say no. You know, they're in a season where they can't say yes. So that's that's our value of margin for mission. And so um, don't serve on four teams. Serve on one. Serve on two. Um, don't try to do everything, but do something and do it really well. That's a good word. Okay, so uh, we talked about this new team. Let's segue just very briefly. For those that don't know, we did the church bought land is it last year? It's been a long year. Yes, it was yeah, right, right after is COVID. A time warp for That's me. right. Yeah, it was like, right after you got out of the yeah, hospital. COVID is a time warp for me. Yeah, so we bought time. land. The church bought land last year. It was paid off soon thereafter. Yes. And um, for those that don't know, we're going to start the process of maybe building a building. Fred, that's right. That's right. Can you just give us a quick snippet of where we are yeah. in the process and what the what the people should expect here in the next few months? Yeah. Well, we are in that dreaming and visioning process with the architects. Um, we're getting down our program, so we're consulting our babies director and our kids director to make sure you know we've got their program represented appropriately in the facility, and that we're you know, planning room for growth with all of that. Uh, we're visiting some sites with the architect. We're, um, we're, you know, we're getting different individuals that have specialized skills to be able to shape the process. And um, so all of that's, it's, it's all super exciting. Um, I give you just a little snapshot of what we're dreaming about. Just some, something, some handles that people can maybe grab, grab hold of. We're envisioning a, a, a building and um, and grounds, a facility, and the whole property uh, that's marked with beauty. So beauty is is something that we're aiming at. Um, functionality is a second kind of principle, core principle of functionality of of how do we bring together convenience and security? You know, so as you think about the uh, the single mom with three kids, well, you don't want her to have to walk a mile to drop her kids off. And yet at the same time, you want the baby hallway to be uh, not located by the front door, you know? So, um, and at the same time, we're not building a gigantuous facility. So, um, so how do we bring all that together? Well, our aim is functional, which, which breathes together flow, convenience, security, all of that together. Um, so beauty, functionality, and then community. What we really want to do is to construct a facility uh, that cultivates community, that welcomes community uh, beyond Sunday morning. So we want to we want to construct a facility that's so uh, beautiful, welcoming, uh, modern, but not overdone. But it kind of becomes everybody's like favorite place that they want to hang out in Sango. 
Now, we can't promise that. Everybody has their aesthetic preferences and all of that. But that's what we're dreaming about, praying about, and aiming at, um, is to create a space that has a big open lobby. And that that lobby is not just the church's lobby. It's actually a gathering spot for our community. Um, I think a great example of what God is doing in Sango, you may think, God's doing that? Well, I think God's doing that. But is is when the Thirsty Goat opened, it's just unbelievable how many people flock to that 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 location round the clock. Well, why do they do that? Well, it may be because they serve great beer or great coffee, but... Um, I don't. I don't really like beer. I've never tried a beer that I like. Pizza is good though. You can say pizza. They do serve pizza and it's a good brisket. Pizza. But like, truth be told, they don't have a huge menu. They only serve pizza. They only serve a brownie. But that place is packed. Why is that? Well, it's because Sango is growing, and Sango is filled with with men and women and families and moms and dads that that want a place that it's not work, it's not home, a place to gather. Say it, Starbucks effect, the third place. Well, I mean, the little context there, years ago I worked at Starbucks, so I went through all their training. And when Starbucks was getting started, they wanted to be, what they they coined this phrase, the third place, right? The third place. And their idea was, we don't want to just serve great coffee, which... It's subject as to whether or not they serve great coffee, but move on. Yeah, you know they um, they don't want to just serve great coffee, but they want to be what they called third place. We want to be that place that when people are not at work and they're not at home, they come here. And Starbucks uh, has been extraordinarily successful in that over the years. Now today, because they've allowed like mobile ordering, you know, and because COVID hit. Like, Starbucks is not a good third place right now. It's kind of like a dreaded place, honestly. Like, you go in to get a drink, and you're like, there's 20 people waiting on a mobile order, right? And their cafe is small, you know, so um, so it might, you know, it, it's not a great third place. And yet, you go in there, and you see people, they're meeting, they're working, they're gathering, you know. So what we're dreaming about is that the Lord would allow us to construct a facility that really becomes a third place. You see that in the Thirsty Goat. You see that they've got this great place in the back of these tables outdoor. It's just a great gathering location. And so we want to be that. We want to be that for Sango and for Clarksville at large with our, you know, with our lobby area. So um, lots of good seating, a spacious place, beautiful aesthetic. If you want to come and disciple somebody one-on-one, that's great. If you want to come and have a book reading club, there's going to be room for that. Um, We're dreaming of a coffee shop, a, a, a really great high quality coffee shop. Um, that would be in the lobby and pray with us. We want that coffee shop to be able to be open normal hours. So not just a coffee shop that serves our church on Sunday morning, but a coffee shop that serves Sango and serves Clarksville round the clock. Um, so we're, we're dreaming of a space that's not just open on Sundays, but a space that adds value to Sango. Um, so that yeah, there you go. You know, I mean, we we find freedom in our limitations. So we're embracing our limitations, and there's going to be limitations that we have in the space, and we're going to be able to dream up things that we're probably not going to be able to pull off, and that's okay. But um, it's going to be something special. And I was about to say, stay tuned for future in the next weeks and months. But I don't want you them to stay tuned. I want them to participate. And you're like, how can I participate? Well, we're going to have all kinds of ways to participate in the future. But just real briefly and we say it all the time, you need to pray for what the vision, and as as Freddie and the team hone that vision, 
for what God is wanting to do in and around Sango with the subdivision next door. There's just all kinds of possibilities. So don't stay tuned. Wait for the next exciting news. That's That's fine if you want to do that. But you can participate, and that is mostly praying right now and and, and insisting as you hear things and opportunities come up in the next few months. Yeah, no, that's really good. We'll likely sometime middle of the fall launch a a campaign where we invite God's people to give. And so, Jonathan, it's really going to take 100% participation for us to realize what God wants for us. And so... um, so every podcast listener, I want you to begin praying right now, begin talking to your spouse right now about how would God lead us to invest in his mission. Um, begin praying right now. Don't just pray for your own family. Pray that God would move on the hearts of every individual that's a part of real life. Um, this, Jonathan, this is going to be something special. One of the things you and I have talked about is that we've got a lot of new believers at real life. Praise God. That's why we planted the church. So I really believe that this process of building this church could be a spiritual explosion in our church where folks who have never trusted the Lord with their finances are going to get to step out and see God work through their faith and through their giving. So if you're listening to this today, pray to that end with us. Pray that God absolutely blows every individual's mind some that have never given in their life, some that are going to be challenged to give more than they ever dreamed they would give, Um, small sacrifices, big sacrifices that are in small amounts and big sacrifices that are big amounts. It's just going to be, it's just going to be something special. I keep coming back to that word because I struggle to get the words to describe the work of God, you know. We need to take a break, but we had a quick quick little meeting a couple, three weeks ago um, with the person that may be assisting us with that campaign. And and I've been in church my whole life. I have sat in all kinds of campaign, whatever you want to call it, for churches to to build a building. And and you may have already done that if you're listening. I've already done that, or they just want money. And so we had that quick little meeting, just very few people. And and can I share the story that I called you that? Oh, sure. I I came away with that meeting thinking, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to do what I have to do. And I came, I came out of that meeting with my hair standing up on my arms because I got so excited, very unexpectedly, organically, genuinely excited of how God is going to use this building yeah. and the finances, gaining the finances for this building of how he's going to grow his people, yeah, yeah. Not, not in the building, but grow his people and grow this church. If you said, why did you preach walking on the water a week ago. Yeah. And that is why. Yeah. I wanted I wanted to push myself, but it's not just push to give more money. That's not the point. That will be a result of you pushing yourself in your faith, get in the word, pray, meditate, get in a community group. But out of that flow, you just said yeah. it earlier, yeah. you're going to burn out because you're not in the presence of God. That's right. Well, you're going to burn out in life if you're not in the presence of God. That's right. That's right. And if if God's going to use this building, God's yeah. going to use this building to to grow his church, not build a structure. That's I love all, that. That's all I got, brother. That's so good. Yeah. Well, why don't we take a break? We'll be right back. Are you on social? Are you on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all the all the spots? Did you know that Real Life is on all those platforms? And we send out amazing recap videos from every Sunday. They're inspirational. They help you carry Sunday with you. Did you know that I write out regular devotionals? and then I push them out on my Facebook page. We just want to help you stay connected. So if you're on social, follow us today on Facebook. 
follow me today on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, and you'll get all the latest info in real time at Real Life. And we are back. All right, last week, if you struggled through the hour and 29 minute, I don't know how long it was, with Timmy from New Jersey, actually born and raised here in Clarksville. We had we had a lot of fun last week, Fred, and um, it was just a really ex- enjoyable time for me last week. We uh, had Tim Nussbaumer on the podcast, a pastor, church planter in New Jersey. That's all you're going to tell them. They have to listen to last week's podcast. That's right. Podcast. Go back and listen to the previous week's podcast. We had a good friend text us, I think, on uh, Saturday afternoon. He's going to listen in on the podcast. I don't know how far he was, and he says, when are the inside jokes going to stop, and <laughs> right. do I need to keep listening? Yes, yes. keep listening. It's, it's a lot of fun. I think what I told him was uh, inside jokes are the worst unless <laughs> you're dot, on, dot, dot, you're you're on the inside, inside right? <laughs> well, um, we had a good time, and I hope you do listen to it but Jonathan I you you're always encouraged when we get feedback on the podcast so I I haven't told you this yet um yesterday I was at the baseball game watching Jack's team they beat McCracken County the JV did varsity lost McCracken County is one of the toughest toughest teams in Kentucky in the state of Kentucky so they drove down played at CHS I was watching Jack play He, he played okay um played good they won um uh but coach Shelby football coach who's a real lifer uh um, we had just told him about the podcast the week before. And uh, so he walked up in the kind of in the middle of the game and he just walked in front of me going to his seat. And uh, he said, uh, great podcast, Fred. And uh, <laughs> and it, it took, I was like, oh, you listen to the podcast. Great. Oh, wait, he just called me Fred. You must have listened to the the one. Oh, that's good. So there you well, go. so last week, if you struggled through, that's fine. But you, uh, to use your word, you, you, I'm t- I'm taking over your vocabulary, which is really bad. You know, like that's better than some of your vocabulary. Oh wow! Let's well, be honest. like bandwidth, and so anyway, let's let's. There's let's a funny your... story about bandwidth. Yeah, we're not it's probably not that, podcast. That, that's probably not. So tap. So we're going to tap on what you tapped on a little bit last week with you and Elliot. Um, for those that don't know what a quote unquote man trip is. Won't you give us a little quick background? Um, if you listen to a lot of pastors and other. Um, other other men that have sons, they do this quote man trip. Explain just very briefly what sure. it is, and then let, let, let's hear a little bit about y'all's experience on your man trip. Yeah, well, in different cultures throughout history, uh, in a lot of different cultures, there's kind of been a rite of passage ceremonial coming into manhood. And um, uh, my youth pastor growing up had three sons, and he did something like this. So. You know, so for me, he was my primary spiritual mentor growing up, and he's doing this with his sons. So in my, you know, for me, it's like, like as a teenager, I'm going, okay, I'll probably do something like that with my sons. You know, this guy I'm looking up to does this with his sons. And he was influenced by a book called uh, Raising a Modern Day Knight by Robert Lewis. That was Raising a Modern Day Knight by Robert Lewis. And, uh, and a friend of mine who I admire and look up to, John Tyson, has written kind of the modern version of Raising a Modern Day Knight um, called The Intentional Father, and uh, where he speaks about this whole process of kind of coming into manhood and how to be intentional with your son, raising sons. And um, so I commend all of that to you. John and I differ on a few theological ideas, but man, he's amazing in so many ways. Pastor in New York City, he wrote The Intentional Father. So anyways, those are a couple of resources that could give you a deeper dive into this concept of the man trip. But really, the man trip is really, um, it's just a 
it's just like one step in the process of raising your son into a man and discipling your son and into a, a faithful follower of Jesus. Um, but it's a significant one, you know. And so uh, I had a collection of men that are uh, some that are close to Elliot, some that he doesn't know, uh, write him notes. And uh, we he and I went to UT Martin where I went to college. And that was special because none of the other kids, none of the other white kids have been there. And so much of my journey, formative days, took place there. I went to church there, was mentored by a great pastor. I confessed sin in a group of people at the Baptist campus ministry where I experienced a lot of um, liberation just in, you know, from, from sin that had a foothold in my life. So just kind of these little pivotal moments in my journey. I graduated from college. I played baseball there. So I got to show Elliot some of those really meaningful moments in my journey in life. And uh, the places that they took place, man, I'd only been back to campus one time since I graduated, really. Uh, and it was so great being there. So Martin, Tennessee, we went there. And then we shot up and went to a place that that I had not been. We went to the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter. So we stayed in a swanky little Airbnb in Cincinnati and then drove over to the Creation Museum and then drove down to the Ark Encounter. And, um, you know, in both of those places are really amazing. There's a lot of reading in them, you know, but experientially there was a lot to experience. And it's so funny. Um, <laughs> there's a zip line at one of them. And uh, I, I, I'll, I'll get through this quick and then we'll kind of wrap this up. But at the Creation Museum, there's lots of reading, lots of reading. And I had never been through there, so I didn't know what to expect. And I didn't know how long it was to walk through it. And so we go into like the first little room, and I'm like reading all this stuff, and I don't even, I don't even understand half of what I'm reading. So I'm I'm looking at Elliot, going, he's probably thinking, how long is today going to be, you know? And I'm just like, Lord, help me, help me, Lord. This has got to go smooth, you know. And it's just like, um, you know. So we read a little bit, and then you know, if you're going to do the Creation Museum, let me just give you whether it's a man trip or not. Walk through the whole thing first. Just, just walk through it. Don't stop at anything. Walk through the whole thing first, and then you'll know. Okay, and then walk through it again, and you'll know where do I want to stop, where do I want to read, because you could just, I mean, you could take a couple of days there, really. So anyways, um, so we get through all the stuff, and I'm just kind of thinking, man, this this is really not having the impact <laughs> that I want. And it's kind of cold outside, and there's this big zip line, and I'm terribly afraid of heights, just terribly afraid of heights. Be strengthened, I am. What'd you say? Go ahead. Yeah. Anyway, so so I knew Elliot would want to do it. And I was like, you want to do it? And then I'm just like, immediately, no, I got to do it with him. And I asked, you want me to do it with him? And his face lit up. It just lit up. Yes, I want you to do it with him. Well, a couple of summers ago, in the middle of the pandemic, we went on this ropes course out in Colorado. And I squealed through the whole thing. <laughs> and they thought it was hilarious. Like, it was more entertaining for them watching me do the ropes course than it was them doing the ropes course, yeah. like as a family. Anyway, wish, wish we had a video of that. Anyways, <laughs> like Elliot might not remember any of the letters we read. He might not remember any of the talks that we had. We talked about all kinds of stuff, you know, and and um, he might not remember anything we read in the Creation Museum, but I guarantee he's going to remember like me overcoming my fear just with me and him doing this zip line, you know. Being, so I'm so thankful. Being humbled and being transparent oh, with your yeah. kids. You hear it what you was said? great. Humble yourself with your kids. Be transparent with your kids. That's what they 
absolutely eat up. Yeah, it was great. You know, and you've got multiple kids. They all have different personalities. You connect with, you know, different ones in different ways, you know. And so it's not always easy. I mean, parenting is really difficult. Like, I've got mad respect for any parent that's not just phoning it in. You know, so like if you're laboring and you're trying to parent and you're giving it that good old try, like mad respect for you. Anyway, so that's what we did. And um, we came back through Louisville. We were going to stay the night in Louisville. That's why I asked you to preach, Jonathan. I wasn't even going to be there on Sunday, but Elliot and I both hit a wall. You know, we were both like, yeah, let's get home. (laughs) So we didn't stay in Louisville. We stopped at my favorite coffee shop in Louisville and I showed him that, you know, and and then we came on home. What's the name of it? Synergos. Synergos. Synergos, yeah. yeah. I went to Louisville one time with you years yes. ago. You, you took me to Synergos. Yes, yes. Well, it's pretty wild. I mean, it's pretty wild. I like, uh, haven't been to dozens and dozens of coffee shops in New York City. My favorite is in Louisville. Anyways, so the man trip, it was it was a very uh, intentional time to get away with Elliot, who turned 13 in November, to say, um, Elliot, you're entering into manhood, and... Let's talk about what that means, and let's let's talk about what that means from all kinds of perspectives. So one of the things that I one of the things that I told him is is Elliot, if you have any needs now, anything you need, you don't come to your mother anymore. You come to me. You come to me. And there's some things that when he comes to me, I'll redirect him to Susan. Um, but. Jonathan, in, 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 the, in the natural growth of a boy, little boys and little girls need their mother in a unique way when they're little boys and little girls. And they need their father in a unique way when they become men and women. And so it's a natural, it's, it's a natural process. And if you're not there to tell your kids, hey, you're going through this natural process, they don't know. They, they don't know. I mean, half the parents listen to this don't know that there's a unique function that mom ought to fill at age 1 to 12, you know, ish. And then dad is needed in a different kind of way, you know. So um, probably the best takeaway. Elliot's a real simple dude, you know, so he's not like analyzing the letters and analyzing the talks and he's not rolling it over and over and over again in his head. He just kind of accepts things at face value. Um you know, so I've, I, I even asked him this morning, hey, have you been reflecting upon, you know, our, our trip and anything we talked about? And he said, reflecting? <laughs> you know, I said, well, have you been thinking about it, you know? And um, <laughs> a- anyways, but one of the immediate takeaways was like the day after we got back, maybe the day we got back, probably the day after we got back, he came to me with something that he needed that he's never come to me before. And I was just like, yes, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So there you go, little man trip. I'm not an expert on it, not an expert at all. I feel like I feel like I'm walking a tight wire half the time. Um, but the Lord's got us. So we all do when you raise kids. That's it's right. it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah. All right. Thank you for that. We're going to. I'd really like to dive into your sermon. Um, you had so many unbelievable nuggets. No, I'm, I'm, I mean I'm, I'm that. Fist bump, you I'm are, fist pumping in the air. It's like you, you started and then you kind of took a break and then You're you so just like good did at it again. Me, man. And then you like, we pray and we thought it was over and then you come back with like, I don't know. Psych! The, just like the basis of, you know, of our, our salvation and, and just did a great job um, of explaining the difference between maybe how we are saved, justification, and how we are to live 
uh, for Christ afterwards, sanctification. So we're going to dive into that. We're not going to go to seminary today, but we are going to look at the mechanics and the foundations of our relationship with our Creator. But before we do that, let's take a break. Are you in a community group at Real Life Sango? If not, why not? You know, we're not meant to live life alone, isolated from people. God wants us to be a part of his family. Community groups are where strangers become friends and friends become family. Let's not let the ideals of our culture today, of of consumerism and radical individualism, isolate us from the family of God. Take a step today. Find your people. Step into community. Text mission to 97,000 and scope out the community groups. Sign up for one. Don't wait. Find your people today. So Luke 18, Fred, is where you took us. Um, We've been out of Luke for a few weeks, um, but you took us to Luke 18, so ready not to be boastful this morning and being broken? Don't you love it when you steer us in a direction and I pump the brakes and take a hard right? It was so great. So (laughs) Can I have one interrupt? I'm I'm tapping the brakes hard right. So (laughs) before we before we talk about Luke 18, before we talk about that, I've got a prayer request for our podcast listeners. Let's hear it. Can I share it? Please. Um we are fervently praying about hiring some new staff. Yes. And we need the good hand of God on the process. Yes. So we're looking to hire multiple staff right now. So our staff team, we're understaffed. Right now we are. Uh, so our team is carrying a heavy load, and uh, we believe we're in a position to hire new staff. So just pray. Pray for God's good hand. Okay. That's right. Now Luke 18. No, so, uh, you know, <laughs> sorry. Having, having, sorry, JV. having preached twice, I've never preached twice, I preached twice a Sunday week ago, and I didn't realize how taxing it can be. Spiritually, it's very taxing. And um, having experienced teaching Sunday school, it was very taxing for me spiritually and also just, I'm an introvert, so getting in front of people and talking and being, you know, all gregarious, which means being Freddie and not me, um, is, is taxing. And so after the first service, you walked by, and I said something to you, and I don't know, immediately I felt bad, because you always say in this on this podcast, I think Charles Spurgeon always says, I don't know if it's every great sermon, good sermon, or sermon, but every sermon needs a good follow-up yeah, sermon. Yeah, every great sermon needs a good follow-up sermon. So I, you came by, and you, I, I said, yes, Spurgeon says, every good sermon needs a great follow-up. Right. Because I talked about faith. Oh, yeah. Okay. Fear, faith, and follow. Yeah. Real faith, James says, real faith. Yeah. True faith always leads to action. Yes. And then this week it was like, well, don't act, don't do. Yeah. We're gonna we we oh, are we need yeah. to we need to do. That was the yeah. first question my community group yeah. uh said. I'm confused. I thought we were supposed <laughs> to do good things. Uh and so this has been always I mean, this has broken denominations yeah, up sure. of not understanding there's just no friction here. You know, some people said the friction between like Galatians and James of yeah. you know or, or Romans were yeah. justified by what Christ did or saved by what Christ did, not by what we could ever do. Yeah. But we have to work or it's not faith. And so here I talked about faith and action, faith and action, faith and action, uh, and that it was like, but you can't act; you have to be. You have to be broken. And so let's dive in, brother. Yeah, man. What? what so what? What hits you with Luke's eighteen? 
Um, just generally, maybe for those that maybe haven't heard the sermon, but they hit the podcast, just real briefly, kind of hit, hit the sermon a little bit. Well, Jesus tells a story. He tells a story about a Pharisee and a tax collector, and uh, it's not a real story. It's a parable, and they're both going up to the temple to pray, and the way they each relate to God is very, very, very different. Uh, the, the Pharisee is boastful about his spiritual resume, uh, the tax collector is broken about his shortcomings. And the conclusion of the way they relate to God, Jesus said one of them went down to his house justified. Justified can be defined as being forgiven in an instant, being forgiven of all your sin, and being declared righteous. Now, being declared righteous is different than being actually righteous. In other words, the the, the big theological term we use is that God imputes Christ's righteousness to us. He doesn't infuse it into us. So it's like our bank account, you know, it's our standing with God. God considers us righteous even though we aren't actually righteous. He declares it. It's our identity. It's our standing. That's justification. Forgiven of all of our sins and positionally our state, our our declaration before God is, is we are righteous. So the tax collector the one who had lived a, a lying, dishonest, unjust life through his vocation was declared righteous and forgiven by God, not because of anything that he had done, um, but because he was broken and trusted the mercy of Jesus rather than the, the Pharisee who was trusting his own merit. So this is a parable. Let me underscore this. You said it said it in the sermon, you said it this morning. This is a parable. This was not a true story. So I think what could be dangerous about this parable is if we extrapolate, my favorite word, put three poles together, three dots together, and you position the fourth one in line. So I, I, have, he, I have no idea what you just said. Yeah, I know. Said. I'm going I'm to break it down just a little bit. And so the parable here, if you remember, we, we're casting it down next to a truth. That's what the word parable yeah, means, to, to cast it down so we can compare the truth to this story. Yeah, that's good. And he actually starts off the story in saying, I want to show you how one man's posture was. Well, what man, what man's mindset was, what one man's yep. spiritual worth was. Well, here's what's here's what's wild is the commentary that Luke gives is is that he told a parable to some of those who trusted in themselves. There you go. So I think that that's got to be that's for for every reader of the sacred scriptures. We've got to immediately ask the question: Am I trusting in myself? In what? And and if I am a little bit or a lot. What's the message in this for me? So that's where the message came, be, be broken, not boastful. So that's the truth. Yeah. That's the truth. I think what you brought out and what Luke 18 is bringing out is it doesn't mean you're not supposed to fast right? Or, and you're supposed to be a tax collector and, and steal. Right. It doesn't mean go all week and steal and then come into church and be be, be broken and beat on your chest. Oh, I'm so sorry, but tomorrow i got to go back and do that same thing again. That yeah. is not, I think, what the parable, and I don't think that's what you taught either, Fred. Right, right. But the parable simply says, when you do everything else right, I think that's what the, the, else was so cool about the parable, what Jesus was saying. The Pharisee had his doctrine right. We call that orthodoxy. He even had his practice right. What he did was right. That's his orthopraxy. But what he didn't have was his heart right. Yeah. Uh, as Tim kind of reminded me a month ago, Timmy Newspummer from last week, we call that orthocardia. 
you got to have a heart, right heart. It's Deuteronomy 6, it's Matthew 22. My point being is, it doesn't mean you don't need to go out and do right things. You just have to understand, you have to do it and posture your heart in the right way. And that is, you can do nothing without God. And if you can't put yourself underneath that um, in a very broken way, as you go out and do good, as you go out and think good, as you go out and study good, then if you're not broken, though, if you're not humbled before God, then he's saying here, you're missing the point. Yeah. Yeah, a simple way to, you know, there's there's simple ways to frame it that if I were to give the sermon again tomorrow, I would I would I would just I would grab hold as a, to as many simple ways to say it as I could. A, sim, a simple way to say it is is um, we obey God not to justify ourselves, but because we've been freely justified by God. We love God not to appease His wrath but because his wrath was perfectly appeased by Jesus. We serve God not to put ourselves in a right standing with God, but because Jesus made it possible through his death, life, through his life, death, resurrection, to put us in a right standing before God. So so we still live a life consecrated before God, but we do it with a fundamentally different motivation, and we do it from a fundamentally different standing. So, you know, one text of Scripture can't give us our whole theology. Only the whole of the Bible can do that, right? Um, but but what I found a freedom in in the last 10 years is, is I don't have to say everything every Sunday. That's the the Spurgeon quote is, is that, um, every good sermon needs a good follow-up sermon. When you said that to me Sunday, Jonathan, I thought you were saying you need a good follow-up sermon next that's week what, because I had focused so much, yeah. but you were saying it off of yours. That's right. Which is, of course you were. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't know that. Um, but, but the doctrine of justification is one of the hotly debated doctrines in the Reformation that it wasn't the only doctrine that led to the Protestant Reformation, but it was one of the doctrines. And so... Um, every person that grows up in the Catholic Church, their experience is not what I'm about to describe. But if you look at official Catholic teaching, they do not teach, the Catholic Church does not teach that we're justified by grace through faith alone. Um, their official teaching would be that we're justified by faith and what we contribute. Um, and... And, and Jonathan, I, I don't know how to say it any simpler, any more plain. If your justification and my justification is in any way dependent upon anything that we do, we're hopelessly lost because the Bible is so clear we'll never measure up. We've all fallen short. Isaiah says all of our righteousness is like filthy rags. So, so glory to God, the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches that we're justified by faith. In, in this text that we looked at Sunday, it was such a great text to illustrate that, that here's a tax collector <laughs> that everybody in his town knew that he was a thief. Everybody around knew it. Like it wasn't hidden to anybody. And Jesus said, that man went down to his house justified. He went down to his house in a right standing with God. How can that be? How can that be? Doesn't he have penance to pay? You know, doesn't he have, you know, no, it's because he was broken. 
broken before God, and he trusted in Jesus, not himself. He trusted in God, not himself. So, so what you have really unpacked on Sunday, and what you're what you what you're unpacking this morning, if you haven't read Romans, it's it's just kind of it's a kind of a meaty meaty book. But read just the first three chapters if you just want to read something this week. But what you just explained is explained so wonderfully in Romans three. It starts off very clearly that no one can be right and be right with God, and no one's drawn to God, but for God to draw them to them. But if you look at 323 through 26, it's really, really straightforward and simple in that when Freddie says you have to have faith, and when the parable said this man was justified because of his posture, because of his faith, let's be clear what that faith is. That's not faith that anything or anybody, that faith is what Christ did in the one time physical blood sacrifice for the atonement of our sins. And if you want to break that down, you can read Exodus. It goes through the tabernacle. But we'll say it one more time, that God came down in human form, in, in, the, in the form of his son, and he got on a cross without ever sinning, and he made the blood sacrifice. That's Leviticus 6, 17, if you want to read it. He made a blood sacrifice. Atonement just means he covered us. I love how you said imputed was a very good accounting because that's what that word is. It's an accounting term. And sometimes how I like to look at it is if you put this blood cloak on, I know it's kind of disgusting to think about, but can you imagine just being poured over, anointed with God's blood, completely covered, and God's wrath cannot penetrate the blood of of his son. Yes. And so when we have faith, the faith is very, very clear that even though we cannot understand it even or see it, faith is the substance of what we expect and hope for. That's Hebrews 11 1. And what we hope for is that Jesus was our perfect sacrifice. And if I have faith in that, then that is what puts me in that accounting right standard so that it gives me this wonderful opportunity then to lean in and to become righteous. You actually say that at the end. I really want to expand on that, that we can become righteous. Well, we are righteous because God imputes that on us. We're declared declared to be righteous. That's right, but we have to step into that in the faith that will always bring about action. We'll have a change of heart, but we'll also have a change of works. Yeah, that's good. What is your hope for a right standing with God. What is your hope for a right standing with God? It's very easy for your hope to be in some way what you do. And Jesus was addressing people whose hope was in some way in what they do. That's why he told the parable. Luke said, and he told this parable to some of those who trusted in themselves. So God does not want us to put our hope and to put our trust in any way in ourself in order to secure a right standing with him. He wants us to put our hope and our trust in Jesus. In Jesus, his life, his work on the cross, his resurrection, what he accomplished That is the only thing that can secure for us a right standing with God that we call justification. And let me say it again. It's the only thing. It is. There is nothing else. So 
I Here, t- here's the beauty of it. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. no, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, the beauty of it, I love, I love how we define this because a lot of people's journey, spiritual journey, they would describe as a process. You know, Billy Graham's wife, Ruth Bell Graham, used to say, uh, when asked, when were you born again? You know, when were you justified? Ruth, when did you become a Christian? She didn't know the day and time. And a lot of Christians are like that. And she said something akin to, uh, uh, my, my salvation experience was is like the sun rising. I don't know what time the sun rose this morning. All I know is that it's in the sky and it's shining. And so for a lot of people, as they look back and they try to answer the question, when was I justified? When was I born again? What was the, the moment, the day and time that I became a Christian, that I, that I was transferred out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son? Uh, when I was when I went from becoming an enemy of God to a friend of God, when I went from being alienated from God into friendship with God and adopted as His child, when was that moment? A lot of people have a, have difficulty identifying that exact moment. But be sure of this. Be sure of this. There was a moment. It's okay if you don't know when that moment was. You don't have to know when that moment is. You can be like Billy Graham's wife. All I know is that that sun is shining. All I know is that the Spirit of God lives in me. And your experience in that might be more like a process. But be sure of this. There was a moment when faith was birthed in your heart and you, in an instant, were justified before God. That was an instantaneous moment Glory to God. And that's what I love about justification. I think that helps clarify it. Is it <laughs> if it was up to us, it wouldn't be a moment. You know, it'd be like, oh, I need a, I need years. I need years, you know. And even then you'd be like, like, I just can't do it. I can't appease God, right? Um, anyways, justification is an instantaneous act of God where he justifies us because of our faith in Jesus. And I think if I were a listener and maybe really are trying to struggle with this concept, it might come off to say, well, that's just too, well, that's just too easy just to say, well, I'll just have faith and I'm justified. So we are coming up, we're actually in the middle, um, coming up on the Easter time mm-hmm. of the year. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it would be a great time for the listeners or, or anybody to really think about how not easy that was to attain. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we step into um, Good Friday and Easter, and I think it's a great thing for us to get to think through of what God did in his love yes. and what he sacrificed in his love yes. and the power that God did in his resurrection. None of that was easy. Yeah. None of that was expected. Yeah. We weren't entitled to any of that, yeah. but God did it. Yeah. And, and, and you say, why did he do it? Yeah. Well, because well, God is love. That's First John four. Yeah, yeah. That in His love, He presented Himself in bodily form, yes. so that He could save us. If yes. you want to really geek out on this, you said, "What did you really want to preach last week, uh, two weeks ago?" And I said it a little bit. It's Genesis fifteen. I'm not going to do it, but that's when, 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 when God calls Abraham, He has this weird ritual that everybody's like, "Oh, that's so weird." But to see the beauty of what God knew we could not do. But in his love, he called us, he drew us to himself, knowing we still couldn't be righteous in that, and that he provided the way in which we could become righteous to be with him. It is the so best good. love story you'll ever hear in your life. Well, in some of the danger 
is familiarity with the story, right? It's we can be so familiar with the story that we we don't understand the drama behind it. We we can be so familiar with the story that we grow entitled to it. And um, I had a friend uh, tell me Sunday night. He said, "When you when you ask the question, what did?" the tax collector do to be justified. And then you said nothing. He, he told me Sunday night, he said, something changed in me. Something changed in me. This is a friend who's, he's heard, heard the gospel story his whole, his whole life. Uh, he's heard the Easter story his whole life. Jesus died on a cross. He rose from the dead. But Sunday morning in this text, hearing it explained of what did the tax collector do to be justified? The answer, nothing. A light came on for him that has not yet been on. And that's what I give God glory for, of he is doing his great work. It's so funny, Jonathan. I, it, my, my own personal experience this week, just in preaching, and it's not about me, but you and I talk about this because you're my friend and we just bear each other's burdens and um, I was just so not satisfied with the sermon Sunday going into it, but I had sought the Lord in a different kind of way. So my that that week, like my I had kind of amped up my seeking of the Lord a little bit, which was great. Um, but even in amping that up, I didn't go into the sermon Sunday feeling really great about it. Um, and that's what I love about the Lord is he does not need me to feel great about the sermon. He just needs my heart and life to be consecrated, a willing vessel. He's going to do the work. His Spirit's going to do the work. So I just give God glory for it. Um, uh, for First Corinthians, uh, as I said, I think, last week. I started reading it last week um, again, not the first time. But I love First Corinthians. But Paul Have says, you ever read Second Corinthians, John? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I love Second Corinthians. But, uh, you, but know, pa- you know how Europeans call it? Uh, two Corinthians. Two Corinthians. One Corinthians. How about Corinthians two? Corinthians. two uh, which I don't think that Maybe was actually the second letter to the I'm church sorry. of Corinth. I'm so annoying you. No, 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 you're not. But he says, Paul is very clear that he, if you if you heard me speak eloquently, and that is why you yes. heard and trusted the word, then you missed the point. I actually thought about that text when I was yeah. getting ready for it, and I was struggling, you know. And It is the truth of God. It is the truth of God, because the truth of God is God, and that is what will change Attitudes, yeah. Directions, yeah. And actions. One of the things. One of the things. One of the things. One of the areas I'm having the most fun delivering God's word these days is just after you've done it for 15 years, over and over and over and over and over again, you actually develop a little bit of a skill in doing it. And it, I feel like Samson every single time I prepare a sermon, in the sense of you know Samson, his strength was his hair, and when you when they cut his hair, he lost his strength. So I, every time I get ready to preach, I just feel like, well, the Lord is my strength, and he can take this away any time. This is not of me. This is not of me. And yet, as I grow in my craft, um, 10 years ago, I, I could not have summarized the text, be broken, not boastful. It just would not have come to me. And um, I'm so thankful that God has given me simple, pithy ways to summarize a text of Scripture in a way that a third grader can understand it. Um, and so I had sat with that phrase. That phrase had come to me two weeks before as I'm thinking about the text. Um, 
so I like I was happy with like that big idea, but I just still felt like ah, there's I, it's not together. Like the message is not together. So like I was like, okay, I just can't wait till I can get to that phrase because that's the only part of the sermon that I feel really, really confident in, you know. And so, anyways, I, I just love what God is doing in that, you know. There's a parable in what I'm saying. There's a parable in what I'm saying. When I'm when I'm humbled in my own abilities, that's when God flexes. And when I'm confident in my own abilities, that's when it might be, eh, you know, flat. You know, it. God is faithful. Anyways, justification, I closed out with justification and sanctification. And with sanctification, Jonathan, you always ask me if you were to do the sermon over again, what would you leave out? What would you put in? So I would take a word out of my definition of sanctification. Okay. So read it like you wanted to do it. Mm, the, the the process of God making us actually righteous as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. That's the way I would want to say it. The way I said it was the process of God making us actually more righteous as we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. I understood what I meant by that, but it wasn't clear to listeners. Um so justification. Let me let me let me explain this real as briefly as I can. Justification. We don't actually become righteous. Not actually. Not in justification. We're declared righteous. Um we still have lots of unrighteousness, lots of unrighteous living in our life. We still have lots of unrighteous attitudes. We that still is lived out in our life. So we're not yet actually righteous. We are declared righteous. So in God's sight, he chooses to declare us righteous and to treat us as though we are righteous. That's amazing. To consider That's our standing with God. But we're not yet actually righteous. Um, and, and that's why... Justification is the beginning. That's why I said it's the it's the starting gun of the marathon. It's the it's the opening bell of of a of a boxing match, and then the marathon and the boxing match is the process of actually becoming righteous. So we begin to repent of sin more. We begin to see those areas in our life where there is sin that we just didn't even know it was there. You know, a, a reality in each of our lives, Jonathan, right now, is that there's sin in our life we don't even know is there. It's indwelling sin. And the longer we walk with Jesus and the closer we walk with Jesus, the more we let the Holy Spirit to, to speak to us and to shine his light in, we realize, oh, there's a pocket of sin. There's an attitude of sin in my life that I didn't even know was there. And I think <laughs> I think that that's why God like lets us, most of us live till we're 80, you know, like, because there's a lot of sanctification that needs to happen, right? There's a lot of exposing of sin that needs to happen. There's a lot of refining that needs to happen. So so most of us get a lifetime, you know, 60, 70 years of, of that shaping and molding process. So what I didn't even talk about was glorification, right? So glorification is when Christ returns or, or when we die and in an instant— we are uh, completely eradicated of all sin and of all temptation towards sin. So that process of of sanctification is completed. So that this is the this is why in Philippians one 
verse 6, Paul says, now I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, where did he begin that? Justification. He began it at justification. He, I'm, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it unto the day of Christ Jesus. Well, what's the day of Christ Jesus? Well, that's when Christ returns, and when he returns, he's going to glorify us. So he justifies us, then he, which he declares us righteous. He sanctifies us. So he begins the process of making us righteous, actually righteous, and then he glorifies us where he completes that process. It's completed. In other words, once he glorifies us, here's the glory of it all. Once he glorifies us, not another moment, not another, not another minute, not another day, not another trial, not another challenge, there will not, there will not need to be another moment of molding us and shaping us and refining us and, and sanctifying us into the image of Christ. In a moment, we will be glorified. In his, his sanctification work of molding us, it will be complete. And we'll see as he sees and we'll be as he is, um, perfectly righteous and holy in our character. That's going to be a glorious day. And Jonathan, that's our hope. That's our hope. So R.C. Sproul once said, you said we're not going to go to seminary, but let me give just a little bit. Uh, R.C. Sproul once said, he says, we get sloppy with our theological language. Okay, what do you mean, R.C.? He's, he's with the Lord now, a great Presbyterian minister. But he said, he said, we get sloppy with our theological language. So he says, imagine like salvation, and this is loose paraphrase of R.C., but imagine the word salvation being an umbrella. So salvation is an umbrella. And he said, salvation is the entirety, the entirety of the work that God does to redeem us. That's an umbrella. And every portion of that under the umbrella is a piece of that salvation. So justification, sanctification, glorification. It's all under the umbrella of salvation. Now, why, why does that get confusing? Well, it gets confusing because we use the word saved, which is kind of a root of salvation. So we ask the question, are you saved? Well, yes, I'm saved. Did you... When did you get saved? Well, I got saved when I trusted in Jesus. And what we really mean by the word saved is justified. Are you justified? But it's okay to use the word saved if we understand, well, I am saved, and I'm being saved, and I'm going to be saved. In other words, I truly am saved right now. It's just that the work, God's work of salvation is not yet complete. So in 1 Corinthians 15, we get a little clarity on this because Paul words it this way when he's talking about the gospel. He says, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. Well, that can, that can confuse Christians if they only have a concept of, well, I got saved. How, why, why do I need to be saved if I'm already saved? Well, it's just a shallow understanding of the full redemptive work of what God's doing. Or just an, shallow is probably not the best word, an underdeveloped understanding of God's redemptive work, of the whole of God's redemptive work. Um, and 
it, God's redemptive work is so wonderful that, that in the book of Peter, it says that angels long to look into his redemptive work. This is how wonderful it is. This is how marvelous, like unspe- Daniel, when he opened up our prayer this morning, it's like 7 a.m. and he's praying, God, we are in awe. That's what he prayed this morning. God, we are in awe. Why are we in awe? Because God's redemptive work is just unspeakably good. It's so good that the angels in heaven long to watch it unfold, right? Okay, so so when, when we're justified, when we're justified, we're saved. But then a process begins of sanctification where God... Here, I was talking with Greg Hayes after church on Sunday. And sanctification is us becoming who we are. That's what sanctification is. It's us becoming who we are. Well, what does that mean? Well, who are we? Well, we're declared righteous. That's our identity. That's our standing with God. So God declares us righteous, but then sanctification is us becoming righteous. So we're declared righteous. Now we get to become who we are, right? Um, So we're saved. Now we're being saved, and we will be saved. So this is the way Paul writes it in 1 Corinthians 15, and, and then I'll be done. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. So Paul just introduces that idea of using that word saved as it, it is a process, and then in other texts, it clarifies that it's it's sanctification. So salvation is that umbrella. And under salvation is I'm saved, I'm being saved, and I will be saved. What is that? That's I'm justified, I'm being sanctified, and one day I will be glorified. And so salvation is both are you saved? Well, yes, I'm saved. I trusted in Jesus. I repented of my sins, and I'm forgiven and free of shame and guilt. And um, so I am saved. But are you being saved? Well, yes, I'm being saved. In other words, Part of God's redemptive work. He's he's saving the entirety of who I am. So his salvation work is not just forgiving me of my sin. His salvation work in my life is molding me into the image of Jesus. That's part of salvation. That's part of his redemptive work. And it's not done. It's not done. So that's why, you know, a, a lot of times, a lot of times we just treat the gospel as though we just got to get people saved. We just got to get people saved. We just got to get them to pray a prayer and trust in Jesus. And that's and then when you get them across that, that's the finish line. Just get them across the finish line. No, that's the starting gun. That's the starting gun of God's wonderful process of saving us, molding us, and then glorifying us. So. It takes practice, Fred. It takes lots of practice for sanctification. So yes. let's let's uh, <laughs> that that was just really remarkable because there's a lot of churches today. There's a lot of churches that are great churches that do present the gospel, but it's it's a process. It's 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 not a finish line, as you it's said. Painful dog. You so, know that. You've been telling me that the past couple days. It's process. It's painful. Glorification. It but, is. Hey, th- this is just tap on this just a little bit. You said something I think before we turned on the podcast this morning. But um, Psalm one nineteen, verse seventy one, the psalmist says, "It was good for me to be afflicted, for I learned your decrees." So. What in the world would ever possess a man to say, it's good for me to be afflicted? Well, it's the man that knows 
he's in a process of sanctification. And apart from the trials of this world, man, in our pride, in our self-sufficiency, in our laziness, we wouldn't as earnestly seek the assistance and help of God. We would just kind of go on our merry way and and to some degree. And that's why the psalmist says it was good for me to be afflicted because it forced me out of my natural way into a place of of learning God's word and dependence upon the Lord. And, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, that's good. So, so for those of you that are suffering right now, God does not waste a moment of trial. He doesn't. And for those of you that are suffering at the hands of evil men right now, when you read through the Psalms, you see that, that seemed like that was like the daily experience of the psalmist is crying out in injustice, Lord of where are you? Why are you allowing the wicked to succeed today, God? So if you're listening to the podcast today and you're suffering at the hands of lying, thieving, unjust, evil people, um, just know God is so powerful. He is so transcendent that he can um, superimpose. He can transcend. He can um, He can override. He, he can use... What evil men intend for evil, he can use it for good in your life. Indeed, he is using it for good in your life. And you may not see the good. I, Jonathan, my, my, I mean, my, you, I don't want to, I don't want to always come back to this, but when I was, when I was in the hospital, I was so isolated, so isolated. I hated every minute of it. Oh, I hated every minute of it. It was so horrible. But I shared with our staff team the other day, and, and I was a little nervous saying this out loud. I'd felt it for some time, but I was a little nervous saying it out loud. When I think of, when I think back to my time in the hospital, it's both horrific and I miss it. <laughs> it's like what? Like why do you I miss it because it forced me into a place of dependence on God where he was all I had. God took away everything that was comfortable for me in the way. Like I I my wife could not touch my body anywhere, anywhere. Like one night I'm laying on my stomach and I ask a stranger nurse to pat me on the back. <laughs> that, like that's how isolated I was and how needy of human touch I felt. And, um, and, and this, this wicked, evil disease that in the new heavens and new earth, there will be no disease, this wicked, evil virus that was plaguing my lungs, put me in a hospital room where my wife could not come in the room, and I hated every second of it. And yet, God met me there in that moment to where, like now when I look back on it, I still look at it and say, that was horrific. And yet I look back on it and say, and yet there was something about that time that I miss because God, my experience of God was that he was so close. In my experience of myself was I was so desperate for him. Okay. Good time this morning, brother. Man, I wasn't in the script this morning. Sorry, No, bro. You, you got did, me going. No, the espresso no, I, was really good. No, 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 no. This was just really incredible. And oh. I know I know that the podcast listeners are going to really enjoy this. Uh, and I think good. you could even listen to it a couple times. Yeah, I love you, brother. All right, you want to pray for that, brother? Is we done? You got anything else? That's all I got, Love you, brother. JV. Daniel Cox, thanks for DJing. Father, we are humbled by your love today. We pray in Jesus' name and by your spirit. We thank you for uh, every listener that's got the earbuds in today. 
and uh, we pray that they would experience your nearness, that they would see your hand amidst the fog, that they would feel your presence in the midst of the pressure, that they would feel lifted up, that they would know, just as Psalm 40 says, when that you turn to us and you hear our cry. So wherever they are today, if they're on the highest of highs or lowest of lows, that they would see your hand, evidence of your grace in their life. For those that need to be justified, that we pray, Lord, today that they would stop trusting in themselves and they would turn to you and trust in you. They would quit boasting in their own good deeds and they would be broken before you and see that only Jesus can save. And Lord, for all of us, may we cooperate with the Holy Spirit today in the sanctification process. And Lord, we look forward to that great day of glorification. And we say, we say, come, Lord, quickly. Come. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Fred, keep it real. Keep it Jesus. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus. Jesus.